This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Whoops. Did you miss out on the Study Smarter bundle? Well, if you head over to insidetheboards.com, we could get you early access to our exclusive online audio cue bank. Sign up now at InsideTheBoards.com. Love is the cost of letting go. Love is the cost of giving in. Love is a touch in a crowded room. Love is the cost of a dance with you. Welcome to the Inside the Board Study Smarter series for the U.S. MLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1, dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed on your exam. Hello, and welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast. I'm Stuart Bryant. Today, we are following up on part two of our dermatology section of the Study Smarter series with our guest, Sho Levant. A 64-year-old man comes to the dermatology clinic because of a pearly and translucent lesion on his nose. Physical examination shows overlying telangiectasia on the affected area. A skin biopsy is performed and shows a nodular growth pattern. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? A. Basal cell carcinoma. B. Melanoma. C pyogenic granuloma, the squamous cell carcinoma, or E, syringoma? And the answer for this is A, basal cell carcinoma. So I remember looking at the chart in step one and thinking, all right, I got to remember this one's got telangiectasias, this one's kind of like pearly, and, and trying to uh, memorize that. But what are the features of this vignette that are reliable things you can keep in your memory, take with you on exam day, and get questions right related to skin cancers? Yeah. And so, Patrick, I think your your recommendation, again, is to look at this question and read the last question first, right? That's kind of how you re- recommend people approach these? Yes, because one of the the things that question writers have to do is write a question for which you don't need any additional information provided within the answer choices to arrive at uh, the correctly scored answer. So you should be able to cover the answers and come up with information only from the vignette, um, the correct answer. That That's not necessarily saying you might remember the, the correct answer or even that you'd come up with an answer that is actually correct but isn't included in the distractors because that can happen. 
but the point is you should be able to get all the information to arrive at it without looking at additional information in the answer choices, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, cover the answers. So which of the following is the most likely diagnosis after seeing this guy with a pearly translucent lesion on his nose with an overlying telangiectasia? Yeah. And so again, you know, we kind of talk about, I imagine, you know, this, like this, you know, new class of primary care doctors really needing to understand some basics about the skin. And so this is like a fundamental. Can you tell the difference between a basal cell cancer and a squamous cell cancer, or recognize either one for that matter. So a basal cell, like you said, there's a table and there's simple things that we, you know, buzzwords for basal cells. Pearly and translucent, that's a basal cell. Don't get confused with the fact that there's keratin pearls on uh, histopathology of a squamous cell. So when I was in med school, that really confused me. Ah, yeah. Leave the histo out of it. If, If they tell you that it's clinically pearly, then it is a basal cell. And that's not, you know, like as you if as a dermatologist, I know that that's not a perfect truth. But as far as step one is concerned, that's a truth. And then we also think about, you know, they'll describe a rolled border, and they bleed easily. And then these telangiectasias, which are branching blood vessels, that's also a giveaway, all of these things, um, you know, I only need to read until pearly. And I'm like, okay, it's a basal, what else do you need to tell me But pearly translucent, on the nose is a classic location for basal cells and telangiectasis are classic. And then, you know, the nodular growth pattern, that's kind of an extra that they're throwing in there to help the, the, the gunners amongst you, but that's also characteristic of a basal cell. But they also want you to know that it's not a, a squamous cell. And the things that you look for with a squame as we call them. Can I just interject here really quick? So in my mind, the distinction, the thing I had to remember was the difference between basal and squamous, right? Melanoma, that's different. Like that's a different Mm -hmm. disease entity. I don't think I'd confuse that in a clinical description or in a picture on step one. So in my mind, it was squamous versus basal, uh, basal cell. And so the way I remembered this was the telangiectasias or like dil- or like little blood vessels kind of at the visible blood vessels in the lesion. And so they just looked like they'd more easily bleed. Oh. But I don't know if that... Like bleed, bee, basal? Yeah, is exactly. that... Yeah. <laughs> but I also... Uh, I feel like is that is that something that you can take with you on the exam or because don't squamous cell carcinomas also have a tendency to bleed or for the purposes of step one, perhaps not? No, they do. But I think that the remembering that telangiectasis will are likely to bleed, you know, and that that is yeah. associated with basal, that's helpful. But if you're looking at just if some if they give you a vignette that has a big bloody lesion, that could be anything. Fair enough. But then you were saying so for squames, I'll use your lingo. Yeah, so for squames, you know, they're going to describe them as more pink and scaly, kind of like rough textured. That's an actinic keratosis or a precancerous lesion for a squame. And then they also a lot of times on step one would give you the association of HPV virus or chronic inflammation, those things are both associated with squamous cell carcinomas. And so those are like the buzz associations that you should know. And I think if you know all of those, you'd be set. So like a good example would be the, like a person who has uh, some orthopedic, like uh, I'm trying to think like an osteomyelitis, for instance. That... So super common thing is stasis dermatitis. So uh, you'll see a lot yeah, of like yeah. old people with like chronic stasis changes of the lower legs. And then, you know, they'll have it for years and then they start to get kind of like a little scaly area. And that's when, you know, refer to derm. <laughs> right, exactly. Why do they want us to know the distinction between basal cell and, and squamous cell carcinoma? 
one, it's important to be able to tell your consulting uh, physician what you think is going on. Um, basal cells are much slower growing and less aggressive and less risk of metastases, whereas squames can be killers. I mean, they're less likely to be, but you know, than like a melanoma. But um, a squame, you kind of take a little more seriously, and you'd probably, we'd probably, from a dermatologic standpoint, maybe see that a little faster if you told us there was a rapidly growing squamous cell carcinoma. So that's really the reason that we, that a primary care physician would need to know that information. Another thing I would like to say here is. The every board's question has to have a vignette, right? They're not just going to ask you what is the most common skin cancer and then list melanoma, basal cell, squamous cell, and probably other ones that exist, right? So how would they ask you or want to test you on the epidemiology? Um, this is kind of a situation that's applicable to other uh, disease entities or, or areas of medicine too, but they could present a vignette that, describes essentially a lesion that could be anything, right? Mm-hmm. Could be a squamous cell. They give very general descriptions. Could be squame, could be basal cell. And then ask you which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient's condition. And then list the answer choices. And you would pick the one if there were no specific differentiating information within the vignette that is most common. And so you should remember that basal cell carcinoma is the most common skin cancer. But if you, as a dermatologist, I'm sure you get a call from a consultant and they describe you uh, some sort of lesion. Are there commonalities or kind of like a general, that's a perhaps a skin cancer type of lesion that would be common for squamous cell and basal cell, like just a general appearance or are they just like so different to you? Yeah. Like how could they write a vignette that would just like not tell me anything one way or the other? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I mean, they definitely could. So, you know, the patient comes in and describes a growing and poorly healing lesion on the left temple, Okay. you know, and then they could show you a picture of something that's kind of pearly, kind of pink and got some scale and, and hemorrhagic crust. That could be either one. Okay. So um, melanoma, like you said, most people aren't going to c- get confused with melanoma. And I think we're going to talk about a melanoma question later because that's super important to be able to recognize and know how to manage. But uh, on, there is such a thing as an amelanotic melanoma. That's the thing that keeps dermatologists awake at night because you're, you can miss them. Um, but they're not going to ask you that on step one. So for step one, if it's pigmented, then you go down the melanoma pathway. If it's pink, then you go down the basal and squamous pathway. Got it. And pyogenic granulomas tend to bleed a lot. They'll be described as, you know, like something that's very vascular, kind of looks like a, like when you look at it, it looks kind of like a red bulge. They show you a picture and uh, the bleeding is usually the giveaway. And then for a syringoma, just don't even think about it. They'll give that another thought. They're not going to ask you about that. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. All right, cool. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so next, a 55-year-old man comes to the dermatology clinic for an annual physical examination. Past medical history is significant for hypertension. Physical examination shows a dark pigmented lesion on the patient's back. The lesion has several different colors, including tan, dark brown, and nearly black sections. The lesion measures 7 millimeters in diameter and is asymmetric in shape. Which of the following is the next most appropriate step in management of this patient? A, excisional biopsy. B, observation with close follow-up. C, punch biopsy. D, shave biopsy. Or E, wide surgical excision. And the answer here is A, excisional biopsy. Walk us through melanoma and the important... uh, features that each of these distractors can help us uh, learn about derm or melanoma? So I think that this question asks a a fundamental principle that anybody taking step one needs to be able to understand, which is what things raise your suspicion for melanoma? Um, Because you don't want to miss this, you'll kill people. (laughs) I always just pray that I don't kill anybody in my job. So the A, B, C, D, E of melanoma, and they give you all of the things here. So it's, they tell you that it's uh, asymmetric in shape. That's A that uh, the border is irregular, that the color has many different colors, tan, dark brown, and nearly black. The diameter is greater than six millimeters. That's the cutoff for things that we worry about. We tell patients the size of a pencil eraser. And then, you know, the E is evolving. They don't talk about the evolution of it in this lesion, but, uh, but that's important to know too. Then the other principle that is so important is what do you do when you have a suspicion for melanoma? And this is important in practice as well as on step one because it's a very easy question to ask about and it has very clearly studied, like there's a right and a wrong answer to this. And the wrong answer is to do anything that might transect the lesion, which means that you might cut off part of the melanoma and that would limit your ability to assess how deep the melanoma goes. So when you think about how to to evaluate this lesion, you absolutely cannot pick shave biopsy. Like that is a wrong answer. Like you were talking about, Patrick, how sometimes there's like multiple right answers. Like in this question, punch biopsy could be a valid, depending on the size and the location, could be a valid choice. I will say too, shave biopsy is the correct answer though, if you are a resident and you had two moles that were completely, totally stable for your whole life, but then you wanted to get a tattoo over that area and you thought, well, if these ever transform into a melanoma, I won't be able to tell if it's all tat or, you know, someone was thinking, I won't be able to tell if I get tattooed over this. Um, And so you have your friend use a punch biopsy (laughs) to remove the lesion in the call room. Oh my God. And it, you know, a, a large one too, like ridiculous. Wow. And then that's it gets infected. Bold. Oh no. And now you have the scar, but you got tattooed over it anyway, so it's not. Hey, nice. cool. <laughs> so shave biopsy would be the correct answer if you are trying to get a tattoo over an area and just want something. <laughs> 
I'm not saying it's me. Not saying it's me. Just saying. In <laughs> if someone, yes. Yeah, if one <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we shave things all the time, and I want to just give a word of warning. This, this, I think, really tripped me up on step one. What you've seen people do in clinic, when you actually walk into the testing center, just throw everything out. Because I definitely saw people shave pigmented lesions when I was, you know, a first and second year med student. And that is absolutely wrong. So, uh, you know, whatever your attending kind of tells you, like, oh, we do it this way here at our clinic. Just like throw that out. Go by what first aid says. <laughs> All right. So why, so why excisional biopsy? Yes. Yeah, so the reason is because you want to get the entire lesion and be able to assess the depth of it. So, you know, I don't really, I don't think I really understood this when I was in med school, the difference between excisional biopsy and wide surgical excision. Wide local excision is the definitive treatment for a melanoma. You take five millimeter margins. Excisional biopsy just means you kind of go around what you can see and you cut off deep, like all the way deep to the uh, subcutaneous tissue. So it's kind of like a, a, a wider punch, essentially, but they're slightly different. You know, I think that they're not going to really probably ask you, like we were talking about, Patrick, they might not ask you to be able to really tell the difference between those two, but they do want you to know that you need to cut this thing off. You cannot just observe it, obviously, um, and that you don't want to transect it by shaving it. A punch biopsy, we would usually, um, the problem with a punch biopsy, if you can imagine, depending on where you were to punch it, a punch biopsy takes a little cookie cutter core of tissue. And if you were to punch in the wrong place, Again, you might not, you might only see dysplastic cells and not melanot or melanoma cells, and you might not really get the true depth of the lesion. So um, that's not really ideal. Uh, that's why the excisional biopsy, where you cut the whole thing out and you're really able to look at it under the microscope, is correct. Okay. All right. What else do you think would be important to know about melanoma for step one? I, I do remember a few, like, and these might be more top, like, 1% of students <laughs> uh, need to know this, um, like, um, the acrolentiginous, uh, is that correct? Acrolentiginous? There's like four or five different types. Yeah, there's a few different important to know subtypes. any fast facts about subtypes? You know, I just, I don't think it's very high yield to tell the truth. I wish that melanoma were higher yield on boards, but I think that they really just want you to be able to tell the difference, um, like to be able to recognize it. What about African-Americans? Do, do they have a higher incidence of the acrolentiginous is that correct yes so that's yeah that's right and so um that's kind of like a thing about being able to recognize the melanomas so um like if they do give you a person you know especially someone who's a like minority racial group and they come in and they have like a funky uh pigmented lesion on the palms or soles that's classic that's right. the acrolentiginous melanoma um, and usually those people have a worse prognosis because they, their diagnosis is delayed because people of color sometimes don't think that they can get melanoma. Um, and then people aren't looking at their soles of their feet to make the diagnosis. So um, that is important to, you know, to recognize that on step one and also be able to say, yes, if I were to see that again, I wouldn't just observe that. I wouldn't say, oh, that's probably just a freckle. Like I would biopsy. Yeah, I haven't looked at this. I don't no, the last time I looked at the soles of my feet, <laughs> I'll probably probably do that later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> It'll actually freak you. I know that I have like a, a little pigmented one on my palm. <laughs> I, I look at it like every night, like, are you turning into something? Are you growing? So, Well, I don't want to take too much more of your time. Uh, you spent a whole hour as a resident, and I'm, I'm sure that even if you are a dermatology resident, your time is um, still so much, so much not your own. 
so thank you so much for taking the time to teach us and and remind me of some of these important concepts. Um, I know with the way things work, I'll probably go into the clinic tomorrow and have like a melanoma. Uh, very obviously, um, I've jinxed you now. You've jinxed me now. Um, it's going to generate so much paperwork. Um, but, uh, but thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Check out SholaMD.com and the Med Student Edge podcast. And good luck in residency. Thank you. And thank you. All right. That concludes our episode. A couple notes here just to add. Uh, the first thing is if you've listened to Gouillon, you heard that he had a basic rule of thumb for basal cell carcinomas and squamous cell carcinomas, and that was that if it's on the upper lip or above, it could be a basal cell carcinoma, and if it's on the lower lip or below, it could be a squamous cell carcinoma. Now, he made sure to note that this is just a basic rule of thumb, but it could help you if you're trying to play odds on what a question answer should be. Also, I wanted to say sorry for the delay with this show. This past couple weeks, we've been pretty busy with some other things, and we may have been a little overzealous thinking we could do two or three shows a week. But at the least, I'm going to say that we're going to get out at least one episode each week, especially when there's a lot more going on. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you share our podcast on social media and tag us at Inside the Boards, you'll be entered to win a $50 Amazon gift card at the end of the Study Smarter series. Thanks for listening. Happy studying. the boards is not affiliated with the United States Medical Licensing Examination, Comprehensive Osteopathic Medical Licensing Examination, National Board of Medical Examiners, National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners, or any other licensing or examination body. All exam names or other trademarks are the property of the respective trademark owners. Content discussed during this program is the property of inside the boards or the attributed owner and may not be reproduced without permission from the appropriate entity. Inside the Boards fully adheres to the respective policies on irregular behavior outlined by the aforementioned credentialing bodies. All content discussed is for educational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice.